Welcome to the Coffee Buzz. I'm Brad, and thank you for listening. Really appreciate you for doing that. Thanks for tuning in. I am just overjoyed right now because my dad sent me some chocolate-covered espresso beans. And it's one of those things that I rarely ever think to buy for myself. You know, I'm, I'm 45 now and trying to watch the waistline. But uh, I, so it's been a while and I've forgotten how much I love these little things. Uh, there's something about that chocolate and the coffee. It's just a wonderful thing. So I highly recommend them. If you haven't had chocolate covered espresso beans in a while, uh, it's, a, it's a good way to just satisfy that sweet tooth and also get your coffee buzz going. <laughs> I was uh, reading an article this week about how coffee, like all great things, was not universally accepted at first. And it, it was actually banned a few times by a few different governments. But the one that caught my eye was in 1511. There was a governor of Mecca, and he thought that coffee stimulated radical thinking, and he feared, I guess, some sort of overly caffeinated revolt. <laughs> and you know, he might have been right. It uh, it stimulates radical thinking in me for sure. Uh, some people take hallucinogens to open their third eye, but for me, it's just a nice cup of arabica beans before sunrise. I'm, I'm ready to take over the world <laughs> once I do that. And to be honest, though, I need all the help I can get because I, just to remember all of the 10,000 things that you have to do every day, I, I need all the help I can get. And what's strange to me is that sometimes I have like a great memory, great recall. And then other times, it's not so good. I mean, I can remember, you know, trivial things about who played guitar or drums on what album. But when it comes to like something really important, <laughs> I'll, I'll just blank on it. Memory is just one of those things that have been baffling neuroscientists for eons. You know, for instance, the brain proteins don't stick around for longer than a few minutes, but yet the memories can last a lifetime. My friend Ryan sent me this crazy article that his daughter Samantha told him about, and it is really blowing my mind right now. As it turns out, viruses may actually be responsible for the ability to form memories. There's a, uh, a scientist, Jason Shepard, and he is a professor of neurobiology at the University of Utah. And he's been studying how viruses and bacteria have actually helped us to evolve. His research focuses on how our brains encode and store and retrieve memory, enabling us to learn. And what happens when these processes are disrupted with age. Hopefully he can make some headway in that because, uh, you know, I've seen the effects of Alzheimer's and dementia and it's, I can't imagine a worse fate. So hopefully Jason Shepard is leading the path and is able to, you know, get 
get some treatment out there for those folks. Now, this next part might get a little meticulous in the details, but I, I just don't want you to think I'm making this up because when I first read this, it seemed like a sci-fi story. So neurons in the brain don't actually touch. There are these gaps called synapses and across those signals are transmitted and specific patterns of activity can alter the strength of these synapses. These are known as synaptic plasticity and these patterns mediate both learning and memory. And what Shepard's research discovered is there's a protein called activity regulated psychoskeletal or ARC. Uh, we'll just use that for the rest of the episode because that's much easier to, to say. <laughs> but uh, by carrying out memory tests in ARC deficient mice, Shepard and his colleagues have shown that ARC is essential for memory. He says, if you take ARC out of the mice, they don't remember anything. And these mice initially appear to be capable of learning, but yet aren't capable of retaining these memories. And he goes on to say, if you come back an hour later or a day later, there's just no consolidation. Based on the studies, Shepard believes that ARC is a critical piece of the brain's conversion of memories from short-term to long-term storage. And as a result of the study, researchers now believe that a chance encounter that occurred hundreds of millions of years ago led to ARC's influence in our brain and our memory function today. And through mouse experiments, it's always the mice, right? We always got to pick on them, but I guess we got to do it. Uh, but through these experiments, they found that art proteins behave like viruses, infecting our cells the way that real viruses do. So if I'm understanding this correctly, I mean, my memory is not in my brain after all, since it's in the cells, you know, we're talking about the whole body the researchers suspect that the virus happened sometime between 350 and 400 million years ago. So <laughs> the only logical explanation for all this is aliens, right? I mean, come on. We just happened to encounter a virus that all of a sudden made us able to, to have long-term memories. I think the aliens basically gave us an upgrade. They go, you know what? These guys need an external hard drive and we're going to hook them up <laughs> because they needed to upgrade our operating system in order to carry out all of the crazy experiments they do, right? I mean, I'm making part of this up, but it just, it makes sense to me. Um, although I did hear something that kind of made me question my belief in aliens recently. It's called the Fermi Paradox. The theory says that there are trillions of habitable planets in the universe for supporting life. I mean, sometimes it's hard for me to really wrap my brain around how big the universe is. I mean, if you think about it, there are 
10,000 stars just in the Milky Way for every grain of sand on Earth. Think about that. I mean, there's just, in the whole universe, there's just trillions of stars, kind of like the sun, that have planets around them. Astronomers estimate that there are one million planets in the Milky Way that fit into the Goldilocks zone. You know, it's not too hot, not too cold, <laughs> and therefore they could support life. And with all these potential planets, the Fermi Paradox basically says, shouldn't the universe just be filled with spaceships and aliens? And I mean, I know there are sightings, but the number of occurrences should be far greater than we've seen so far. And if I'm, I'm being objective, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, there's no tangible proof that we have of alien life. I mean, this theory basically says that we are alone in this vast, huge universe. Just 90 billion years of absolute nothing. And, and honestly, I don't know if that is a disturbing thought or a comforting one. You know, because if a alien civilization were to make it here, uh, they, they probably would have an agenda. At least that's the way a simple human, you know, minds think about things. That they're either here for our resources or, or something. So being all alone in the universe may not be such a bad thing. Um, but one thing about it, the universe is, is very old. Just on Earth, there's been life for 3.6 billion years. We've had intelligent human life for about 250,000 years, you know, but only had communication tools for the last century. So there may very well have been some vast alien empire out there that lasted for millions of years, but we just missed them. And I know a lot of people smarter than me believe in this theory, but I don't know. I, I just can't let go of my belief in the existence of aliens. That <laughs> just it makes too much sense to me. There's um, there's too many things that are unexplained, and maybe they're not even carbon-based life forms like we are. And so possibly the the whole concept of Goldilocks planets may not even be a correct measure for potential life. I'll be honest, my imagination runs wild with this. I mean, I actually think there could be an alien sitting right next to me as I record this, but maybe they vibrate at a different frequency than I do. So I'm not seeing them, but you know, someone else might be able to. And like I said, there's just too much about life that is unexplainable for me to rule out that possibility. So not today, Fermi Paradox. I, I don't believe in you today. I might change my mind at some point, but uh, <laughs> I'm not going there yet. Of course, you know, this could all be explained by looking at existence as a simulation. Um, I keep working on that episode. It's still percolating because it's such an abstract concept and there's so much to say about it. 
that uh, I, I just haven't been able to to get all the the points that I want to across yet. So I'm still working on that one. Hopefully, I'll have that out soon. I do want to thank Samantha for the article about memory and where it comes from. It it's really a radical concept, and it's one of these is probably the only part of this episode that's actually based in fact so thank you for that i'll post the link in the show notes and you can also find a link to all the social media ways to contact the coffee buzz as well as my monthly playlist i've got one for v january (laughs) yeah people go vegan for january and i've made a list or a a playlist i'll say of all the some of my favorite vegan and vegetarian musicians. You, you might be surprised at some of the folks on there. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you 90 billion light years and back for listening. I will talk to you next week.